This is MuggleCast, the Harry Potter podcast discussing everything about J.K. Rowling's wizarding world. This week's episode is sponsored by Blue Apron. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free, including free shipping, by going to blueapron.com slash MuggleCast. New episodes of MuggleCast are made possible thanks to listeners like you. Please visit patreon.com slash MuggleCast to support the show and help us grow. In exchange, you'll receive exclusive benefits, including an ad-free version of our podcast. Welcome to MuggleCast episode 310. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. And I'm Micah. Just the three of us this week. More of an intimate show. We're actually recording on a weeknight, the first time we've done that in a while. We're snowed in. Because Micah well, at least I am. is traveling again. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. How much snow did you get over there in uh, 1920s New York? <laughs> <laughs> um, probably between 12 and 14 inches. That's a lot. Whoa. It is. Has J.K. Rowling ever said if there's a spell to clear away snow? Mm. I don't think I'm so. sure like to shovel snow, right? To like displace it or remove That's it. What I mean, yeah. But yeah. Uh, I don't know about affecting the weather patterns, though there's precedent in Dementors, mm. right? They cause the snow. So maybe if people, if you could train 100,000 people to cast a Patronus at the same time, there would be no snow. Mm-hmm. Do they cause okay. snow? Because uh, I think. People like, would want them then if they just caused snow, but it's fog. kind of a depressing snow, right? Yeah, it's like fog and mist and like all the awful like winter stormy type stuff, not just pretty snow, like winter yeah. wonderland with the mentors running around and sleigh bells. Andrew, I just uh, I just use snow plowicus, and that works. That <laughs> <laughs> rolls off the tongue nicely, snow plowicus. Snow pl- <laughs> Sounds like there needs to be a second half to that, but I just couldn't think of it. So Maximus. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah. All right, Micah, you know what you have to do now. You have to go outside into the snow and film yourself casting this spell. That's true. Okay. You, do you want? You okay, do. Own, you have you. a wand, right? I'll do it a little later when the neighbors are asleep, so I don't get some odd <laughs> stares because you, you should know, wake they could up. be out. Or do I walk up to a neighbor who is trying to shovel their uh, walkway and say it and see what happens? Yeah. That would be really yeah. awkward. They might call the police on you. <laughs> they might call the ministry. Mm. <laughs> so we have some news to talk about today. And then we asked for questions about Fantastic Beasts. So we're going to do a mailbag sort of segment. I was reading through these, and it reminded me that we hit on so many things in the in those first two episodes that we did reacting to the movie, and there were so many things that like we were like, "Oh, we got to talk about those again later." Yeah, and then we still haven't. So, well, and that I think we're gonna. And that's yeah, that's great. And then this is also you know this discussion is great as a as sort of prelude to the DVD. It's about we're about a month out till the DVD comes out. Um, oh yeah. But you know these kinds of uh, things that we're thinking of. It would be great to talk about before our then inevitable home video rewatch. Uh, yeah. So, and I'm excited to talk about the deleted scenes because we should be learning a lot of information yes, there. I really, uh, me too. Mm. Yeah. Like what? And uh, we're also well. Uh, I want to see if they include that scene where Credence takes the boat because mm-hmm. remember they said they filmed that. That's right. Yeah. Wasn't in the script book. Nope. Though, no, it or wasn't. The movie. I checked it. And, uh, you know, actually, since you mentioned that, there's also, there may have been an alternate starting scene. They, they haven't listed uh, which what? scenes will be on the DVD, have they, Andrew? 
Not yet, no. Okay, the interesting thing is that, yeah, a, a listener, uh, a friend of mine actually, Chad Hopkins, uh, wrote me, he says, on Lego Dimensions, which they have Fantastic Beasts for Lego Dimensions, there's sort of an extended beginning where an actor is voice portraying Rolf Scamander. Uh, wait, what? not Rolf Scamander. I am so sorry. What's his brother's name? Newt's brother's name. Uh Oh, Theseus. Yeah, I know. Theseus. Perseus. Theseus. Theseus Commander. Some Greek name. Yeah, in Lego Dimensions, Theseus Commander, basically Newt is on the boat heading towards America reading his brother's letter, which is also the same letter that I think was on J.K. Rowling's website. But it's it's, it's like an actual part of the scene as if it were part of the movie. So I'm curious if that's just a Lego thing or what, because that letter does exist in canon or, or on J.K. Rowling's site, so... That's super interesting, Very interesting. Because why would Lego include that, unless unless that was in a version of the movie? Yeah, I I I think. Uh, mm. Well, I don't know if we'll see a deleted scene, but it sounds like we might be getting something. I, I do I do hope that there are deleted scenes that just blow us away. Um, because <laughs> because like do deleted scenes ever blow us? No, away? I mean like Petunia opening the eggs that have the Hogwarts letters in them and Sorcerer's Stone. That's the closest that a deleted scene has ever come to blowing me away. Um, yeah, and that was just extended, but yeah, I hope it's not like the script book, which we know is devoid of anything shocking. It's just exactly what right. you see on the screen. So I, I do want to see, you know, maybe alternative, I, they're clearly going to remain mum about a lot of the bigger mysteries, but I really want to see what could have been like, uh, Jacob's girlfriend and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, we know yeah. that the producers of the Lego games and Arthur Parsons, who's worked on. Uh, all the previous uh, Harry Potter ones. I mean, these mm-hmm. guys are huge Potter fans and pay such close attention to detail mm-hmm. that I can't imagine that it just happened to show up uh, in this no. Fantastic Beast version of the game if he didn't get it from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And of course, yeah, not a, maybe it it's is not a coincidence. A deleted scene. We'll see. Yeah, we will see. Let's talk about some news we know for sure is happening. Yes. I'm actually really excited about these. Um, Bloomsbury UK has announced Hal's edition Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stones to celebrate 20 years since the book was published. So there are four new editions coming out. Actually, eight, because paperback will also be available. Oh, God. <laughs> of course. One for each house. Um, so, for example, the Gryffindor edition, it's a red and black cover, and it has the Gryffindor crest, the new crest, by the way, mm. and then the pages, the, not the spine, what would you call that, the the, the opposite side, where the spine isn't, <laughs> the pages are colored orange and red, uh. and then for Slytherin, it's green and silver, and uh, Ravenclaw, blue and gold like and they sort of have like a stripey like a scarfy pattern on them yeah i think these are amazing they're coming out in june and here's another cool thing about each one each will include quote exciting new extra content fact files profiles of favorite characters and line illustrations in- exclusive to that house so each edition will have characters for each house so gryffindor will have harry ron and hermione for example I think these are amazing. I'd be very interested in seeing what the Hufflepuff one has for because this is Philosopher's Stone, and I would be very shocked if any Hufflepuffs even appear in the first Harry Potter book by name. 
Certainly not major ones. Yeah. Mm. You're right. So I pre-ordered. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Which one? But, New Slytherin? <laughs> well, exactly. So I recently converted to Slytherin, and then a couple weeks later, this news comes out, and I'm on the ordering page, and I'm like, crap, what? Do I order Gryffindor or Slytherin? The reason I was leaning towards Both. Gryffindor is because I originally read this book when I was a Gryffindor. So, uh, and I've always identified with Gryffindor. So, you know, I was you like, need to just get both, Andrew. I mean, it, for the well, purposes of this show, there's only three hosts. I'm Ravenclaw, and um, Eric is Hufflepuff. So you have to get both in order to make sure we are fully well-rounded as a group here. Well, you actually guessed correct. I did order both. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> Cool. And uh, maybe I'll return one. Maybe I'll send it the, the one I don't keep to someone else, or maybe I'll just keep it. What's the uh, price point on these? They're twelve ninety nine pounds. Twelve pounds and ninety nine, like twenty Canutes. bucks, twenty plus bucks. Canutes. Yeah. Canutes. What is what, what cents in British terms? They're about sixteen dollars U.S. dollars. Oh, we're only sixteen. Whoa. Yeah. Plus shipping and. Shipping, but shipping wasn't bad. It was another thirteen pounds. Yeah. I thought that was okay for two books. No, it's not bad. Well, see, yeah. when I when and... I first saw this, I, I thought it was Scholastic, but now that it's Bloomsbury, I feel a whole lot better. But I'm being sarcastic. But the, <laughs> I, I mean, I do. I will agree a hundred percent that that these books look really really cool, and they're definitely a collector's item. But I just wonder and, you know, kind of said facetiously in the document, you know, how many new and different ways are they going to come up with to try and get people to spend money? You know, it's it the the, the book itself is in and the story is never going to change. It's always going to be the same. You could always add little tidbits of information here and there that kind of spruce it up. But then again, isn't that why why we have Pottermore available to us? I wonder if this information that's going to appear about each of the houses is already available on Pottermore. I wonder uh, to me, it, it just seems like th this is if you're a collector, right. And you collect the books, maybe you collect all the different versions that are out there, the British editions, the U S editions, maybe you get them in different languages. This just to me seems like something that a collector would want. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, it's sort of like if you've if you've held off uh, on buying other additional versions as well. Like my my original Harry Potter books are they've seen better days, um, and so you know <laughs> eventually I'll look at to uh, basically just go to the shelf at a bookstore and say what's the latest new edition of of Harry Potter, and I'll buy that one. So like if these just happen to be the latest ones when I'm there, I will buy a Hufflepuff Philosopher's Stone. Otherwise, you know, I'm not really a collector anymore. I I just have too much stuff. Uh, so otherwise I won't be buying them. But I agree. Like, they, they look cool. They, I'm not going to say they don't look cool. They look cool. But consider this. 20 years. They got to do something for the 20th anniversary. Well, you remember what they did with the, for the 10, and then they didn't follow up. With other tenth yeah, anniversary, this was this was Scholastic, of course. Um, right, right, Scholastic. Did it not sell well? Is that the reason behind why they didn't? I bet that was part go of forward it. With it. And yeah, they decided I, I would because it was Scholastic that then transitioned to the illustrated editions. Maybe they thought that was a better option because didn't the tenth um, anniversary edition of Sorcerer's Stone have a drawing of Hagrid 
It had like an additional the, Mary Grand Prix drawing, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's what And on the cover special. was Harry looking into the Mayor of Eris. I, I will say this. I did buy the original, I guess you'd call them children's edition of the first, would have been four Harry Potter books. All the ones that were out at the time, uh, were it was like the second set I ever bought. And there's a big difference though, for especially for American readers, in that there not only is not chapter art in the UK edition, but they also don't do the crazy fonts. For like letters and stuff, um, it really for me coming from my you know American handicap reading the Harry Potter books, I how you always have the loopy lettering of McGonagall or Dumbledore or Mafalda Hopkirk writing to Harry and you know the the chapter images too. It really seemed more magical to me reading Harry Potter, especially the early books um, in the American editions. And so these these Philosopher's Stone. Uh, UK editions, it, it's cool that the page edges are going to be house-themed and maybe it'll be, I don't know, making up for some of the magic that would otherwise be lost, but the the UK editions are usually just, you know, it's, it's I think it's like Garamond. It's like the same font and they just italicize when a letter is being written. It's mm. less magical in general. Um, it's less kid-friendly. Less kid-friendly, right. less okay. magic, whatever you well, want to call it. Yeah. There's also the adult versions that Bloomsbury produced, right? Mm-hmm. In addition to mm-hmm. the children's version in the UK, and I, I mean, and, and just going back to the point of of wanting to collect these books, it's definitely something I think that, despite you know my comments earlier, I would be interested in because I've you know I've collected a couple of different sets as well as in different languages as well. Mm-hmm. I just think you know having those copies is kind of a unique, cool thing to do if if you're a Potter fan and exactly. you can and you can do it. Yeah. By the way, the paperback versions that I mentioned, I think they're equally cool. Um, the Huffle for each one, the entire thing is just a solid color. Oh, so what? Hufflepuff is full yellow cover, and the pages that the rim of the pages. Sorry, I don't know how to explain this. People are yelling at me at home. I'm sure the rim of the pages are all yellow too. So you just look at this book, and it's completely yellow. Gryffindor, all red, green, Ravenclaw. Blue. I'm looking at this. This is unreal. Blue and green. Sorry. Uh, they're cool. I think they're really cool. <laughs> so I'm excited. I guess this also raises the question: What is Scholastic going to do for the 20th anniversary? <laughs> are, are, are they going to get in on this? And I guess are they going to wait for Sorcerer's Stone publication date? Because they're they, they they weren't they didn't. It was 1998. Uh, yeah, they 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 did 98. Yeah. Right. So they have another year. But I think they're going to look at the response to these house editions and be like, oh, we've got to do this, too. This is a no-brainer. Just do them all at once. That's my advice. Do them all at once. The whole series house theme. Just get it over with. It's money grab. I think these are cool. When will they arrive? You you said you pre-ordered? June. 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 Okay. My email says between June 12th and 16th. So they got to go through customs and... That's why I thought it was also cheap. Well, just send them with Newt. You'll be fine. <laughs> uh, I think that'll go slower. He came over on a boat, after all. <laughs> well, if he leaves now, I mean, what does it take? A month, a, maybe? A month. Yeah. It used to take a month 300 years ago. <laughs> what would you two like to see for a 20th anniversary celebration from Scholastic here in question. America? Um, Throw a party. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, bookstore parties maybe like uh like the yeah, those aren't the fun. kind that none of us went to for at Barnes and Noble for the 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 other book release. Um, 
I I think it would be cool to have some of the initial writings from J.K. Rowling from Sorcerer's Stone mm. included in the book, like her notes. Yeah, some notes. It does, or or you know, omitted paragraphs. Is there a chapter that was never included that was planned to be included? Characters, that sort That's of thing. A good I know it, some of that stuff is out there, whether it's Pottermore or her website prior to that where she did include those types of pieces of information but I, I think that'd be cool to actually have a copy of it in print you know i think the mm. the best opportunity for that would probably be with chamber of secrets chamber of secrets seems to have been the book that changed the most uh, a lot of stuff that have, that ended up in half-blood prince was originally going to be in book two based on things that jk rowling's already said so things about like snape's backstory but and inevitably a lot of that stuff got cut or changed or because it happened so so much later is so different that i would really like an extended or you know kind of insight into chamber of secrets in that way mm-hmm. i'm just looking at something real quick um one of our patrons ali points out that you can buy them on the bloomsbury website and it's 16 pounds, including shipping. Ooh. And that is a little cheaper than buying from Amazon. You should cancel your Amazon order. And <laughs> get it directly from Bloomsbury. <laughs> I guess that would be kind of cool. Um, probably, you could probably get it gift yep. wrapped. It would come in like Bloomsbury paper. You know what's nice, though? That they're they're making it easy to ship internationally. They seem to be very aware that people are going to want these outside of the oh, UK. Oh, man, they really so. have Scholastic. They caught Scholastic with their pants down. Scholastic does not seem to have any <laughs> yeah. plans with, about this. You know, it is, though, it is the 10th anniversary of uh, Deathly Hallows, though, this year. Maybe they could do it is. an alternate version of Deathly Hallows with less yeah. less camping. Yeah, I don't know. Well, take that, Bloomsbury. We have the three-brother Deathly Hallows editions. There we go. Oh, my God. Ignotus and uh, Cadmus. And yeah. You could get get your Ignotus Peveril cover, Deathly Hallows. I love it. Take that, Bloomsbury. We have Ilvermorny House editions of the Fantastic Beast script book, where Ilvermorny is barely mentioned at all. Love it. Before we continue with today's episode, it's time to remind you that MuggleCast is brought to you by Blue Apron. They are the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. I've been using it for a couple months now, and I'm absolutely loving it. I have a full shipment in my fridge right now, ready to be cooked. I'm so excited to cook it this week. It's really a great alternative to going out because instead of going out, spending a lot of money, you can cook at home, binge some Netflix, Netflix and chill with some great food. Those who spend a lot at restaurants or at high-end grocery chains can now spend under $10 per person for a delicious meal. And because Blue Apron ships the exact amount of each ingredient required for a recipe, they're reducing food waste too, so it also helps the environment. Here are a few of the recipes coming soon. They got a cashew chicken stir-fry with tango mandarins and jasmine rice. They also have, and this is a part of the uh, shipment I have right now, the roasted pork with apple, walnut, and farro salad. It looks delicious. They're easy to cook, too. Each meal comes with a step-by-step, easy-to-follow recipe card and pre-portioned ingredients and can be prepared in 40 minutes or less. Even for somebody who doesn't cook regularly, who's just starting to seriously cook now, it truly takes the time that they say it will. Check out this week's menu. I think you're really going to like it and get your first three meals free with free shipping 
By going to blueapron.com slash MuggleCast, you will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron, so don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash MuggleCast. Blue Apron is a better way to cook. Breaking news, breaking news coming into the MuggleCast News Center. Mike is sick, so I'm doing it for him. Creature is dead at age 666. <laughs> so sad. He was a good elf. I didn't think he would die this soon. Uh, so what happened was J.K. Rowling, she likes to fight the trolls on Twitter. It's it's one of her things. I thought you were going to say she likes to fight Trump on Twitter. Oh, well, that too. This kind of um, all tied together, but go ahead. It did. It did. Well, what happened was one of the trolls tweeted her, Nicholas Flamel dies at age 666 in the Potter books. Odd. The Mark of the Beast in a ch- children's novel? And she replied, Nicholas Flamel doesn't die in the Potter books. Seriously, read before you burn. It'll make attacking me so much easier. So that that got a lot of uh, likes and retweets. And then yeah, later in the day... About burning her, people were talking about burning her books. It was pretty sad. Right. Yeah. Because uh, they're not fans of her getting political on Twitter. Which, by the way, I actually heard from one of our listeners... Uh, Matthew, he's not a fan of her political commentary there either. And I think people who aren't fans of it make a good point. Like, she does it a lot. A lot. And maybe it's a little too much. (laughs) Although I will say, lately, I'm quite enjoying it. Yeah, she has some good burns. She has some sick burns, as the kids would say. (laughs) I understand. Look, I understand the point that's being made. But at the end of the day, you have to remember that she is a person with views it, you know, you're not just looking at the Harry Potter author. You're looking at the person, and she's using her platform to be able to say how she feels about it. She's not just going to tweet about Potter all day long. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, this is true. Well, so a, a later in the day, one of her followers randomly, it seems, tweeted at her, "What happened to Creature, the House Elf, after the books?" And she just replied, <laughs> "He died, age six six six." This was exactly an hour after <laughs> this this troll came in with the <laughs> Nicholas Fumel dies at age 666 thing. Now, here's the problem. Here's the problem with this. It's a funny tweet. I understand that it's a joke. But J.K. Rowling is very well known for adding the Harry Potter canon on Twitter. So you have to take this tweet and assume that it's true. Creature did die at age 666. This is now canon. Well, great. Now he can show up in the Cursed Child sequel because we know he's still going to be alive when those children are grown up. Um, right. He can be somebody's constant in their time travel efforts. I, 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 I don't. I don't think you have to take this as as uh, fact, but I understand how people would be very easily confused because if you're not following that Twitter thread, it does seem like she's giving a fact. Right. And like, does it matter? No, but you know, Dobby died in the in the books suddenly. So I guess it's nice to know that. I I, I just I just love Andrew. I, you you continue to go to bat for Lavender Brown. <laughs> you you can you yeah. continue to press the issue, and <laughs> then you tweet her something like, "Now now we know how Lavender feels," or something like that. That was another, another tweet. Okay. Yes, that was that was more recent. Hold on, I'm trying to find yeah. what you're referring yeah. to because I agree it was a good response. Because I, I think that well, on the day of on the day this took place, you just said, "What about lavender?" 
um after after yeah. creature but but yeah it, it, you continue and and she does not seem to want to answer <laughs> that question and i i'm really curious about about that maybe she knows you're trolling her about the whole thing but i just tweeted at her what happened to lavender after the books <laughs> Basically the same exact tweet, the same exact thing as that creature tweet. <laughs> uh, I cracked myself up. That got 189 likes. That may have been my best lavender tweet yet. Yeah, I can't believe she didn't. Reply. Like, I, that's that's an actual issue because there's a, a case where you have a discrepancy between Pottermore, what Joe has said, what the f- books say, and what the films did, and it's all jumbled up. And it's a great opportunity to right some wrongs and cure some confusion. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure. By the way, Pottermore wrote another article the other day. Mm. It's called Exploring Lavender Brown's Unexpected Effect on Hermione. What? And there's all this stuff about Lavender and Hermione's like friendship and stuff. And then you get to the end titled Tragedy Strikes. And I'm reading this the other day. I'm like, okay, maybe this is it. Maybe this is the moment they're finally going to confirm whether <laughs> Lavender lives or dies. <laughs> and it says, boys aside, <laughs> what? Lavender and Hermione certainly don't hate each other. They're just total opposites. Hermione does her best to step in and save her during the Battle of Hogwarts when Fenrir Greyback pounces on Lavender after she falls from an overhead balcony. The tragic scene certainly puts things into perspective. And then they quote the book. But that's it. There's no like. I'll, it's just a tragic I'll be she, she live or die. When you when you said boys aside, I thought the story was going into a whole nother direction. No, no. Jesus, Micah. <laughs> boys aside, like they found love in yeah. each other. <laughs> anyway, it was kind of like a Pottermore fluff piece, I guess, for Valentine's Day. But I got excited. I thought they were finally going to reveal the news. Yeah. Um, I wanted to share here. There's there's a kind of another happy J.K. Rowling Twitter story. Um, where J.K. Rowling is pretty, she remains pretty elusive on the issues on 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 answering real Harry Potter burning questions. Um, but there was, you know, I, I assume she has to get a hundred tweets a day or more, hundred thousand even, uh, of people asking her if Ariana Dumbledore is uh, an obscurus, which we've talked about, I think even a couple times on at the show uh, so far. Well. What ended up happening was one of our uh, patrons, Katie Hiley, uh, wrote in on Twitter to – there was already a tweet and somebody asked, um, was Ariana Dumbledore an Obscurus? This is a person called Goose Commander. I think that's a, a moniker. Um, and J.K. Rowling liked the tweet, was Ariana Dumbledore an Obscurus? Then Katie wrote in and said, now it's been uh, double liked. No, somebody else wrote – uh, am I the only one taking J.K. Rowling's like as a yes? And then Katie wrote now, it, and then J.K. Rowling liked that tweet. And then Katie wrote now it's been double liked by J.K.R. I'll take that as an emphatic yes. And J.K. Rowling liked that tweet. So J.K. Rowling, it's tweetception. A little bit confusing to explain. I don't even know if I'm doing it properly. But essentially, J.K. Rowling liked the initial tweet asking if Ariana was an obscurus. The tweet that pointed out that J.K. Rowling liked it and they were going to take it as a yes. And then Katie's tweet, which quotes those tweets and says, I'm going to take it as an emphatic yes. So I'm pretty sure that we can just uh, – I'm pretty sure that Ariana Dumbledore is an obscurus and that this is 
It's triple confirmation. I mean, if you keep right. liking something, if you're J.K. Rowling, it's <laughs> reckless to 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 continue to like this this thread. Maybe uh, she was drunk. I don't know. <laughs> WB calls her J.K. Rowling. Stop confirming information by liking tweets. I, but she did it three times. I mean, do you three guys times. think? I mean, where are you, are you guys as convinced as I am that that's like the same as a yes, pretty much in Twitter talk? Yes. Yeah, and. Uh, Given everything we've discussed and the reasons why this makes sense, absolutely. I think. Yeah. Uh, I, I was going to say I was convinced from our discussion. Yeah, well, me too. But I, I'm just knowing J.K. Like now, I'm I'm definitely taking it as a solid yes. Um, it is fun looking through the tweets she has liked. You can do it on Twitter. Um, a lot of people say uh, very kind things about the book series, the effect it's had on them, stuff like that. Oh. Um. For example, this person named LJ wrote, Thank you for inspiring my daughter to read. She still struggles, but thanks to HP, she never got lost. I am very grateful. Aww. I think that must be nice to write a message like that to J.K. Rowling and get a little little wink. Yeah, considering other people are talking about burning her books and calling her all sorts of names. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's move on to some uh, one other news story here. Zoe Kravitz had a little more to say about Newt and Lita's relationship in future Fantastic Beast movies. Lita is the girl in that picture who appears ever, ever so briefly in Fantastic Beasts. So in an interview with Collider, Kravitz said that she knows nothing about what's coming up, but she, quote, has an idea based off when she auditioned with Eddie Redmayne. She also said that her character will be appearing in several installments. Um, so she said, quote, the relationship between Lita and Newt is a complex relationship. So I think there will be a lot of time for that to grow and develop, which will be fun. So not a ton to talk about here, but it's worth noting that Newt and Lita may be told over multiple stories, especially because Newt and Tina are already underway. Right. And uh, you point out as well, like Tina, he marries Tina eventually um, yeah. in canon. So what does that mean for what he and, and Lita had? What does that mean for, you know, how the next, the plot of the next couple of films is going to play out? Are they going to play Lita as a current love interest or just a sort of a past flame who needs their help? That sort of thing. Yeah. I, I'm, very interested by this, uh, especially because learning about the old wizarding families, um, like what the Lestranges were like in Fantastic Beasts, there's even this hint based on the way Queenie says it that the Lestrange family is known for being less than positively, you know, reputable. So. I just hope it doesn't turn into a weird love triangle thing. Like, I guess there's going to be a little bit of that inevitably since we know Newt does end up with Tina, but. Uh... Yeah, maybe I was going to say maybe Jacob can start dating Lita, but J Jacob's got cleaning. <laughs> maybe the Niffler. But what if Lita, I mean, Lita's probably got some issues. So we know that Lita was part of the reason for Newt's expulsion or was right. the reason for Newt's expulsion or proposed expulsion, as it's said in one of the spinoff books. Um, but there's got to be some good Lestrange connections going on there. That's what fans want to see from J.K. Rowling, right? Yeah. Wanna, she should give us some cool... Like, she's she's a Lestrange for a reason. A, hopefully a good reason. That's a good point. 
That's a very good point. Why would she need to be a Lestrange otherwise? You know, you know what I mean, Micah? I know what you mean. And it actually ties in very well to the first uh, question that we got for our Fantastic oh. Beast discussion, mailbag discussion, uh, because Jennifer asked the question, can you provide more discussion and or theorizing on why Newt left Hogwarts and the possibility of him using his beasts as a cover for some mission for Dumbledore? So you obviously were just talking about Lita Lestrange, and I think at this point, just given all the information that has been put out there, we know for a fact that Lita was responsible for Newt's proposed expulsion from Hogwarts. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how much more discussion theorizing we could do on that other than to think through what she did or what he covered for her for uh, that resulted in Newt being booted from Hogwarts. To, to recap what we learned in the book, The Case of Beasts, this is one of the merchandising items that came along with the, with the film. It, um, it said that Lita was, quote, and I know we, we spoke about this a few episodes ago, but I just want to refresh everybody's memory. It said, quote, Lita was the real reason Newt was forced to leave Hogwarts. And it says this, it prefaces that statement by saying, quote, it was revealed, end quote. In other words, it was probably in the movie originally. Right. And then they cut it, but they didn't, by the time they cut it out of the movie, the book was already set. They they couldn't go back and change it, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, so it's like extra uh, likely to be canonical. Yeah, and then we also learned in the case of Beast that the expulsion was never enforced. Dumbledore defended Newt, resulting in his name being cleared. But then again, in the movie, we hear that Newt was expelled from Hogwarts. Yeah, doesn't Graves say kicked out of Hogwarts? Yeah, so maybe maybe he just conveniently forgot to uh, conveniently didn't include that line in the movie to to mess with viewers. Yeah, um, you know what I mean. Yeah, it's just. And the, the second part of this theory, too, that, that Newt could be using his beasts as a cover for some mission for Dumbledore, the, the problem that I have about that part of the theory, too, now is that, you know, Newt has, has this letter, which is is not in the movie, I guess, but it's, it's, it's out there, it exists, that Theseus uh, wrote to Newt about how Theseus essentially is... Uh, the main guy in the war in charge of finding Grindelwald. And so Newt would seemingly be working with his brother uh, if, if it were, if Newt were like on the same mission as well. Um, so why, why isn't he working with his brother? I'm thinking, because it's like the ministry has designated who's going, who's supposed to go and find Grindelwald. And there's nothing in the movie to suggest that Newt is secretly like looking for his brother or looking for Grindelwald at all. Um, Newt is trying to repatriate a an American beast uh, to Arizona. So, like, that's that's his secret mission, right? Yeah. And we also had learned, and we discussed this at some length, I think, on a previous episode, that the beast responsible for his supposed expulsion was a Jarvie. Right. Oh, right. That was yeah. said, yeah, somewhere. So I'm yeah. I'm sure, if not in the next movie, I would have to think it's going to come out as to exactly what happened here. I I don't see that particular part playing itself out over multiple films 
you know, certainly their relationship uh, will, uh, at least based upon that interview. But I think this is something that will be resolved, hopefully in the early going of the movie, because so much of this information is already kind of leaked out through different ways, whether it was intentional or not intentional. David yeah. Yates, David Heyman said it. <laughs> um. <laughs> and I guess the reason Jennifer proposes this cover for some mission for Dumbledore is that would help tie in Newt with the remaining part of this Dumbledore versus Grindelwald story. Because right now, we don't really have a connection between Newt... How can Newt be a main character in a couple films if this is going down to if this is leading to Dumbledore versus right. Grindelwald? Right, and I, I, I 100% yeah. see this as very plausible, if not certain, that it will happen. That Newt will use his uh, his uh, you know persona as a writer. Remember, he's publishing this book, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them is about to be published. He will be an internationally known author if he's not already an internationally known uh, beast catcher, uh, manipulator, keeper. So he's about to gain in stardom, and it's going to allow him to go on missions for Dumbledore or whoever uh, using that as a cover. So it, it's absolutely possible. I don't think he's doing it now, but I think it's absolutely something that he's going to do. Right. Well, we also got another good question here from Angelica, who asked the question, was Dumbledore a target of Grindelwald's? Uh, him being a seer opens up a world of possibility. Was Grindelwald visiting the grave of Ignotus Peverell just a cover? And so yeah, I, I kind of paraphrased because our, our great patrons wrote a lot in in some cases and and you know had to try and condense it down to just a few sentences or questions but ultimately what she's asking here is you know, we're, we were led to believe that you know Grindelwald goes to Godric's Hollow really to to pursue the Deathly Hallows right mm -hmm. uh, but was that just some sort of cover up given that Grindelwald is a seer he has the ability you know, to see into the future. Did he know that he would come across Dumbledore and Ariana? And and was this just a means to an end, so to speak? Um, wanting to find an Obscurus and utilize it for his own purposes. Yeah, I think it makes sense to me. I mean, we, we learned about Grindelwald for sure being a seer when J.K. Rowling said as much. So, on Twitter mm. a couple months ago. Yeah. I like that theory. Yeah, I'm I, I'm just uh, confused on the timeline, and I think that that's something that easily the next film should probably iron out uh, with with no difficulty at all. Of you know when Grindelwald went to Dumbledore, how much he knew about Ariana, when the Ariana events actually occurred, if Newt was in the picture when that happened or not. Um, you know all all of these sorts of because the big Dumbledore Grindelwald duel. I guess already took or already maybe just took place or something. So Ariana's dead when the when Beast starts, but there's like this huge delay between the epic showdown. There's like 19 years before they actually fight in 1945. So so much has yet to happen between Dumbledore and Grindelwald, and you know there's a lot that we know about those two. But I'm always curious, like when specifically these different events occurred, because Grindelwald 
I, I have no doubt he's manipulative, but I, I kind of wonder how much we'll actually be seeing in the film um, or films to come. Right. And and that actually goes into another question we got um, from Shannon Spicer, uh, who asked, how much do you think they will dive into the life and lives of Albus Dumbledore? And will they portray him in a less than positive light? Will they showcase the relationship that he developed? Or is there even a relationship? I think that's another topic of discussion here between him and Grindelwald. Right. Joe described it as like a very powerful infatuation, um, sort of a would-be relationship more than it was a relationship. Um, but I'd be, I'd be quick to I'd be quick to correct sort of I mean, portraying Dumbledore as being in love with Grindelwald is not portraying him in a less than positive light. Um, but I think that you know what Shannon's probably getting at too is Dumbledore being hoodwinked by Grindelwald into believing things for the greater good. And I think, you know, that's that's the sticky part is what, what we see Dumbledore as more uh, conniving and more less positive about less fond about protecting muggles, you know, something like that. It'd be very interesting if if and I think J.K. Rowling's totally capable of um, allowing that plot thread to flourish a little bit mm-hmm. in one of these films. I think. The question there was was more so in terms of portraying him in a less than positive light, his own desire and quest for power, the quest yeah. for the Deathly Hallows, mm-hmm. not in any way related to his infatuation, his relationship uh, with Grindelwald, and and you know to to touch on that for a second, I wonder with the way that they set up the Graves Credence relationship, mm-hmm. uh, which was the Grindelwald credence relationship. If we're not going to see something similar between Grindelwald and Dumbledore, um, obviously Dumbledore is much more powerful um, and much more mature. One would think than credence just given age, but the way he was able to manipulate credence, I wonder if that was, if and it's not really foreshadowing, but it, it is sort of setting the groundwork for what, could come down the line. I think also from a marketing perspective for the series going forward, a focus on Dumbledore and these other, these revelations, because when we're talking about the life and lives of Albus Dumbledore, I think we're also just referring to the fact that his past wasn't as we thought it was until the revelations came out in this book. And I'm just reading here this book by Rita Skeeter was 900 pages. There's a lot of history with Dumbledore, and I think J.K. Rowling has that in mind. So she could use revealing new information about Dumbledore to make us rethink what we thought we knew about him, which is the impression you got when you learned all this information originally. And in other words, it'll draw the viewers in to learn more about Dumbledore and and think about and think think about this man in a new light. He is one of the most beloved characters. It's going to be a huge deal to find out who is cast as him. Mm-hmm. And I imagine we're going to actually see him in Fantastic Beasts 2. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think we are going to go deeper into Dumbledore, whether it's information that was in the life and lives of Albus Dumbledore or not. Yeah, they're going to need a good actor. You can already tell. I mean, they've they've already said as much, but... And and it's obvious, it's like stating the obvious, but 
I, I wonder, honestly, if they won't do sort of a separate question, but but, but actual flashbacks. Because, the mm-hmm. I mean, Ariana is presumably already dead. Um, so all of the wooing, all of the quest for power type stuff will have mostly already happened. Because um, Grindelwald is now completely out of Europe on the run. So he's no longer just going to be able to... I mean, he's... They were, they Until were the opening sequence when we find out that he broke out. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> Was it, I not supposed to say that? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you can break out of Azkaban, you can Oops. break out of anywhere in America. Yeah. I just I, – I really want to see – you know how in – was it movie five, Snape's Worst Memory is like three seconds montage in the movie. It's awful. They cast all those actors as young James Potter, young Remus, young – serious and there's not even any darn dialogue um i want to see the exact opposite of that i want an entire fantastic beast film to take place in like you know young dumbledore grindelwald type stuff i know i won't get that but let's let's meet in the middle here and (laughs) and suggest that there would actually be like good conversations had in the past between dumbledore and grindelwald because i think it's it's a big point uh of understanding not just dumbledore but grindelwald who is the series main villain yeah. Well, look, they're going to have a lot of time yeah. to tell a story. Yeah, 10 hours. <laughs> I mean, it's still shocking that there's five of these movies. <laughs> so I think there may be time for stuff like that. Agreed. We'll see. And and the fact that J.K. Rowling has thrice liked a tweet or yeah. <laughs> whatever you said earlier. I she liked the tweet that exactly liked the tweet it. that pointed out that she liked the tweet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that lends itself to the fact that I'm sure we'll be getting more of ariana being an obscurus and what that means to the overall plot and and the potential fallout between dumbledore and grindelwald and i i think too it's going to be interesting to see how they explore the dynamic of of their relationship because i think we've discussed this before on the show but we're not entirely sure that it was a it was a mutual um you know love interest on the part of both of them yeah I mean, Grindelwald's a, a user. He's no good. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of users, um, Cody uh, wrote in and uh, said Tom Riddle, he's the user I was talking about, um, <laughs> was born in 1926. So he would have been 17 around 1943. By this time in his life, we know he already had plans to make himself immortal and take over the wizarding community. Is it possible he tried to contact Grindelwald at some point? Grindelwald's line to Voldemort in Deathly Hallows was, quote, I knew you would come one day. Is this a nod to Grindelwald being a seer, or did they meet previously? Will we get a Tom Riddle cameo? Love it. Mm. J.K. Rowling did confirm on Twitter that the last Fantastic Beasts film, uh, or the Fantastic Beasts series, will end in 1945, with the defeat of Grindelwald by Dumbledore. She said that like pretty much right when the first Fantastic Beasts film came out. She tweeted that that was the case. Uh, by 1945, Tom Riddle will already have at least one Horcrux. The Chamber of Secrets will have already been opened at Hogwarts again. There's a lot of stuff that is going to have happened in chronology in the timeline before the last Fantastic Beast wraps up. So I think it is entirely possible that Tom Riddle will uh, interact with Grindelwald. At the very least, Tom Riddle grows up 
And this is something that's not really ever uh, explained or shown in the books. Tomrado grows up with this dark wizard Grindelwald at large, um, you know, in a world that is probably afraid of of Grindelwald. Um, and he, he probably is influenced by that, you know, for his own dark reign. Works for me. Mm. Connor asks the ne- next question. What is up with the death chamber? So I just pulled it up here in the script book because <clears throat> I wanted to make Thank sure you. we got the details yeah, right. That's really smart. Uh, first of all, it's called the death cell, <laughs> according to the screenplay here. Come on, Connor. It's this. It's described as a long black metallic corridor leading into a pure white cell, which consists of a chair suspended magically over a square pool of rippling potion. And uh, I think we discussed this previously. The executioner raises a wand and carefully extracts Tina's happy memories memories from her head. Tina instantly calms, her expression now vacant and otherworldly. Um, and then she puts the mem- the executioner puts the memories into the potion, which ripples, coming alive with scenes from Tina's life. So when they pull the memories out, it's to calm her, right? In that before death, but they're happy memories. Dead. So she doesn't. It's weird because are they making a copy mm. of the memories, or are they actually taking them from her? Because like Dumbledore uses a pensive to clear his mind, like he's actually taking memories out. That he then no longer has in his head. So why is that a calming thing for Tina to see her mom calling her as a child or whatever if she doesn't actually remember that event occurring? I'm probably asking yeah, the wrong a, question, but yeah. Well, kind of. But it does say it does say extract for what it's worth. Yeah. The memories were extracted. Yeah. So it's kind of like for all the horror that this room is and this potion is, it's the death potion, it is some kind of uh, attempt at peaceful euthanasia uh, to replay a person's happy memories, moments of their heroism, because Tina obviously is saving um, the, the children from, I almost said Mary Magdalene, Mary, Mary Marie, the, the woman. I, I don't know. It's, it's kind of very, very interesting. Mm. Or are the happy memories really being used as bait, you know, to draw the person into whatever that motion is solution is that yeah, that's around them. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, it's the seems, impression that's the way it seemed. I got that's actually the impression I got that it, it while watching that it drew them to the pool. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to see if there's a moment in this script that kind of suggests that that is what's going on but not really but it's because tina or newt saves the day in time hmm? yeah it's just very sinister the the whole the whole setup i mean yeah it, it you know I, I know that you know they're being executed but i would think that there are other means that could be used that are far less painful uh or or mind mind effy um, yeah, but, but I mean, that's, that's the stark contrast that I think we're meant to take away between the wizarding world in Britain and the wizarding world in America. The wizarding world in America has the death penalty. The Britain, they're fine to just throw you in Azkaban and you rot away with like no, sem- barely a semblance of self for, you know, inevitably. Uh, so, but, but in America, they 
actually kill you. And this potion itself gets very right. angry if you try to escape, and it comes after you. Well, and this speaks to how serious Makuza takes keeping wizards secret. That's true. We have to also step back and remember why they ended up here in the first place. Yeah. It's because they have caused all this damage to the city. Um, and Makuza decided that they would be sentenced to death. And it did... I think maybe this scene was to put things in perspective for viewers, how how things stand in present day versus where they once did. And also it's commentary on um, the real world today. For real. Yeah, and, and actually... Uh, Danielle's question ties in nicely to that. Um, she wanted to know what happens to witches and wizards that are born uh, to nomads in the U.S. They seem to have very strict laws. To your point, Andrew, uh, between witches and, or sorry, between wizards and non-wizards, do they take kids from their parents and erase their parents' minds? That's insane. I love this question. Do they force them to become obscurus, <laughs> obscurises, obscuri? Well, I think. The kids are probably fine. I think it's what happens, you know, uh, to them at a certain age. You know, are they taken away from their families who would, I'm assuming, begin to notice that uh, things are amiss, right? I'm thinking mm -hmm. even, uh, I mean, well, Hermione was a unique case, but for any child that's born to parents that don't necessarily exhibit any sort of um magical behavior especially in this time uh mm -hmm. yeah i mean certainly they could be forced to suppress if they don't know any better but got to imagine there's some good parents out there somewhere yeah i mean yeah but you, but you can't have uh the same thing you have with mr and mrs granger taking you know accompanying hermione to buy her books in flourish and blots because they you know the equivalent of Diagon Alley, whether it's a mall in America or whatever, you just you can't have because no magis can't know. So I I I understand the like it's a great I think it's a great question. Um, but I, I'd like to believe Tweeter. that a representative Send this to J.K. Rowling. Yeah, I, I'd like to believe that a representative from Ilvermorny comes and sort of like a memory charm, but not really not like makes you forget about your kid. But maybe presents it as like a, a opportunity for a, a elite boarding school kind of thing, and it's like, oh, and you know, we'll pay all the money, et cetera, and get your kid this real good opportunity, and appeals to their their love for their you know child, kind of like Professor X, like a like a totally an X Men thing, um, mm -hmm. to get these kids who are nomad born into school because they are a danger, they present a greater risk uh, having magic and not learning how to control it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, Maybe they give the parents special permission to know about the wizarding world. Maybe. I don't know. Because because a little little hall pass, if you will. Because <laughs> it just seems mean to, to separate them, to not know the true, what's really going on with their children. Yeah. How do you even detect that to begin with, by the way? Uh, there's a light bulb. Just floating in midair somewhere, and it lights up whenever a new wizard is born. <laughs> or when they detect accidental magic some somewhere, yeah, like some glass disappearing from a a snake enclosure. I have to say, you saw the in Fantastic Beasts. Did you catch like the map of New York City that they had? Like that was magically where with the uh, it was it was like a two second scene, but it was in Makuza, President Pickery, 
and I think Graves um, or a couple of her people are looking at a map, and it's of Manhattan, and it's showing where the Obscurus is wreaking havoc. But mm-hmm. it like it's basically magically updating in real time where the destruction is occurring. Um, so it's kind of really cool the way that they're they clearly have magic that that like can track locations and they they can know a lot more than we we have just no introduction in the Harry Potter books into that sort of stuff except in like maybe the caterwauling charm or whatever or the taboo word. But there's a lot more of that stuff that I think we're going to start seeing in practice with these. Uh, new movies because we're dealing with adults who have a lot more advanced forms of magic. Mm-hmm. A couple comments here from people listening live on patreon.com slash mugglecast. Jennifer says maybe there would be a form of silent of a silencing charm to prevent the parents from talking about magic to other muggles. Ooh. I like that idea. I could see JK Rowling telling us that on Twitter. We're <laughs> <laughs> liking it three times. Yeah. And Danielle says the president said at the end of Fantastic Beasts there can be there can be no exceptions, referring to wiping everyone's memory. Remember that at the end mm-hmm. when Serafina said that. Mm-hmm. Yes. But Danielle wonders: Is there an exception for parents? Yeah, yeah, that's what I was right. going to say. I mean, it's a different when it, you have a kid. It's um, is this the same Danielle that asked the question? Is she trying to play both sides of the <laughs> fence here? Is it? This is Danielle S. Double agent. Uh, I don't know what Danielle was. I don't know. Is. I don't remember, okay. but uh, we have two more uh, questions here. The first from Ryan, uh, who points out the fact that we got several name drops in the first film. What are the chances we run into a Delacour or Maxime in Fantastic Beasts 2, given the uh, setting of Paris? And also, what beasts would you all like to see in the next movie? Uh, I I would need to consult my Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. I don't know. I guess a, a couple... Of uh, <clears throat> beasts that we saw during the Triwizard Tournament, that would be kind of cool. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, oh yeah, like uh, maybe a Sphinx. You know, never made it into the Hungarian Horn Tail. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I I love the idea that we'll meet like a Delacour or Maxime ancestor. Didn't even think about that. Obviously, eh. I'd be pretty upset if we saw Bobatons though and didn't see Overmorning, but. Whatever. I think J.K. Rowling also has to walk the line, a fine line between making name drops and these starting to get a little too convenient. Like, we're already a little iffy about the Lestrange thing. I'm sure she's got something cool in mind. Yeah. But we don't need to keep going back to certain families. Sure. I think, I think, I think it's inevitable we'll run into a couple of more in the next four movies, but... I let's not add Delacour and Maxime because just because we're going to Paris. Yeah. Yeah. I could, I could go either way. I could be impressed or I could be turned off. Right. Well, there's, um, there's also the chance now um, moving over to Europe that you could run into a lot of the families that we've come to know and love from the Potter series as well. <laughs> not to mention Hogwarts staff. I mean, we talked about Tom Riddle uh, earlier, but clearly Slughorn was very influential uh, in his teaching. I wonder whether or not he's... I tweeted that at J.K. Rowling. She never answered me or liked it, by the way. Ugh. So I feel left out. <laughs> you know what? Know. I'm going to quote your tweet, and then I'm going to get her to like Great. that, and then that'll Please be a do. yes. Yeah. yeah, okay. 
Um, but I think there, there's a lot of opportunity here, right? Whether you're talking about the Weasleys, the Blacks, it, it could go on uh, for. I want to meet Og. I want to meet. I want to meet the old groundskeeper Og. It's possible. Why not? Yeah. And and I think those are the types of things that we've read about in passing throughout the series that we'd appreciate as fans. You know those the you know the way that Ryan describes it as being a nod. Uh, I think you know a character that, along the lines of what you just mentioned, Eric. You know it, it's he's not overly mentioned throughout the series, but he is mentioned, and so you know, to then come face to face with that person would be a cool thing. And then finally from Catherine, she wants to know what will happen to Credence in the next film? Will we see him learn magic? Will Newt help him remove the Obscurus or will it be used as a weapon later on? Well, if he's hopping on a boat, he's heading to Europe. (laughs) I would, I would assume. Um, I think, I think Newt will try to help him again. I think, yeah, I think Newt will try to help him again. Uh, but I could see it backfiring. Like, Newt may not be successful in his mission to help Credence remove the Obscurus. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's probably, they're gonna, it'd be in everybody's best interest, knowing that Grindelwald wants Credence and wants the Obscurus uh, that's inside Credence. I, I think it would be in everybody's best interest for them to, like, separate the Obscurus from Credence to protect Credence's life. And then, but then what would they do with the Obscurus? I have no idea. You know, uh, it's a question. It's a pretty good question. Yep. Well, thanks to uh, all the patrons that uh, submitted their questions. A lot of good ones here. I think a lot of good discussion. Some things we just don't have the answers to. um, And hopefully we get them soon. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. like in the ca- case of casting of Dumbledore. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a while until we get a. Well, no, no, Dumbledore. Yes. But like in terms of all these other questions we have, I think we're going to be speculating for a while unless J.K. Rowling. Again, we keep bringing up a lot this episode, but reveals some new information on Twitter. I think the Blu-ray deleted scenes will absolutely have some other stuff for us to talk about. And the Fantastic Beast, the new Fantastic Beast book coming out. Yeah. Next month? Yeah. April? It's soon. Um, yeah, I really, really, really want that book. Well, you can get it <laughs> when you visit your local Barnes & Noble or a mom-and-pop bookshop. I'm going to get it, the audio book from Audible. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so let's do the Dueling Club. We haven't done this in a while. Yeah, this is fun. Um, for listeners at home who may not have been with us uh, when we used to do this segment fairly often or just for our own host's refreshment. Uh, Basically, we're going to pit two of us off against each other. We're going to count to three, and after three, uh, both hosts have to pick a wizard or witch or creature, I guess. Uh, And then uh, once we've said it out loud at the same time to prevent cheating, we have to defend that character, why they would win in a duel uh, for the other character, so... Uh, who wants to go first? I can go. Right. I think it should be Mike and I. Yeah, Mike and you. Okay, first. so uh, right. you guys want to do? I've suggested that we do the America edition. So you have to think of an American witch or wizard. Um, All right. Okay, you guys ready? Mm-hmm. Okay, here we go. Dueling Club, round one. One, two, three. Andrew Sims. Graves. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, Micah. Aw. I'm a Slytherin. I went to Hogwarts. He called you. He called you a wizard. All right. Well, I already know I'm winning. Yeah. Yeah. You would kick Graves's butt. That was that was too. No. 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 I mean, I my pick Graves is beating. Me. Oh. <laughs> oh. What? Graves. Graves is Graves is going to beat Andrew. Absolutely. Graves. At least you're is honest about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, did you see him in the movie? <laughs> He's pretty. He was a, messed up. Yeah. Very skilled wizard. Yeah. Uh, the only advantage is that if we're going off like present day or something, he's probably dead. We don't know if we're ever <laughs> going to see him again. Uh, but you know, he was also the director of magical security. Yeah, it, he he was he was. You could just watch him and know he was very good. I think I mentioned this on an episode previously. I think Colin Farrell's. Uh, wand work was actually some of the most impressive in the movie he seemed to do it so flawlessly i do agree there was there was some kind of i don't know suavite with the way that he moved all right michael why do you think i would win that's a great question andrew (laughs) (laughs) that was the premise of the the game idea was yeah you pick someone who could win well i didn't know who (laughs) you were gonna pick um well yeah, well, look, but... <laughs> Andrew is the founder of MuggleCast. He created the most listened to Harry Potter podcast in the history of podcasting. He knows more about any of the books, spells, creatures, characters than anybody else, including Graves, who can't even figure out who he is. Is he Graves? Is he Grindelwald? Nobody knows. Perhaps you capture him in a moment of weakness. Um, when he has forgotten to either change his face or drink his polyjuice, whatever it is, I think Andrews, uh, you know, it, it, he doesn't get enough credit. That's and and I think he's far more talented than he lets on. Wow. And wow. Graves just doesn't stand a chance. You know, Michael brings up some good points. I think I would. <laughs> I'm tearing up, guys. <laughs> I could kill Graves in his sleep for sure. Like. <laughs> Yeah, that's when or, I could beat him in a duel. You know, in in, in um, you know, in a very credence esque um, way, Andrew could lure Grindelwald slash Graves into a false sense of security, and then just <laughs> explode in obscurial form and completely obliterate him. Yeah, that 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 makes sense. That works How's for that? me as well. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the winner. Uh, oh, as the uh, arbiter of this uh, round one of the dueling club, uh, I declare that uh, Andrew Sims uh, would 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 win. Wait, so wait, wait, you're in a duel. I'm not clarifying. <laughs> Keep it ambiguous. Okay, <laughs> moving on. All right, Eric and Micah, you two go. I'll I'll count it off. Okay. <laughs> All right, Micah, go. you can't say Andrew again right. just to establish some rules here. <laughs> <laughs> on three. One, two, three. Abernathy. Queenie. Ooh, okay. So if you remember Abernathy, he's Queenie and Tina's boss. A uh, little shy, right? A little shy. Um, and Queenie easily, I guess, defeats him. Sorry. She's trying to leave work early. You just made my argument for me. Yeah, is that what we're doing? I feel like we're not sticking to the rules of this game very easily. I picked a guy I didn't think could uh, look, really I win. feel like I've done a great job so far. So uh, yeah, you have about. to defend your guy to the death or girl. Okay, Abernathy uh Abernathy has authority 
over Queenie's job, and he would win because she, at one point, has there has to be a line, and you have to uh, step into the line. Um, so Abernathy uh, could uh, she could lose her job if she doesn't. I don't know. Uh, allow him to win in a duel. Mm-hmm. This is getting weird, but I'm going with that. Okay. Well, we've already seen Queenie seduce him once. I'm sure yeah. she's done it before. <laughs> she will do it again. I mean, she literally walked out of the um, of Makusa with Newt and Tina in a briefcase, right? Yep. Under the auspices of Abernathy, right under his nose. He had no idea, no clue, because he was too enamored. Plus, um, she can read minds. Uh, you know, th- oh, that God. takes everything to a whole... Another level. I mean, the new the new rule at Dueling Club is you can't pick Queenie because she's just gonna she would she would beat everybody. Well, so <laughs> would Andrew, but I you know I... yeah 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 that's true too yeah all right well Micah you you really you really aimed you really brought uh you really aimed to to draw blood here uh with these with these picks of yours nice work yeah I'm I'm Thank sorry you. I'm gonna have to say uh, Micah's the winner yeah. because Eric you started off weak you could barely defend your own candidate it's true so it's true. I, I, I submit, I agree 100%. I lost that. Right? Well, next time I'll pick a very obscure character, and that'll probably make it even. Yeah. Yes? An obscurest character? character? Mm-hmm. Okay, now we have Make the Music Connection. Two classic segments back-to-back. Not, wow. Oh, not Music Connection, just Connection. Oh, oops. Make the Connection. <laughs> wow, very classic. <laughs> even more classic. The most classic. Because <laughs> Make the Connection did come before Make the Music Connection. So we sourced these from twitter.com slash mugglecast, Eric? That's right. Um, and uh, basically the way this works, for those of you who aren't familiar, is uh, we have to make the connection, each of us separately, between Harry Potter and blank. And blank can be something as random as you could possibly think of, um, which is how we used to play it. Uh, who wants to go first? I will. I will. Okay. It's been a while, but I will. Okay. And uh, people listening on Patreon, feel free to uh, chime in with your own suggestions. We won't steal yours, but I'm sure it'd be fun to get you involved as well. Yeah. Uh, okay. This uh, submission comes from Danielle Lenarchik Biss. Uh, another on... Danielle. Another Danielle, or the same one, really playing all sides of this listener game. Um, <laughs> who said, make the connection. All right. You ready, Andrew? Make the connection between Harry Potter and broccoli. Well, as a child, they always said, eat your broccoli. Parents, guardians, eat your broccoli, eat your broccoli. And in Harry Potter, they always said, uh, take care of yourself by eating <laughs> wow this is a tough one by eating whatever was put on the table in the great hall because hogwarts always promoted a healthy diet and i'm just falling into quicksand here uh because you just got to eat healthy. So at Hogwarts, they eat healthy. And uh, at home, you ate healthy in the muggle world with your broccoli. Oh, my gosh. That was the worst answer ever. 
I'm not sure they eat healthy at all at Hogwarts. They just well in the movies it didn't look like it, but I have a feeling J.K. Rowling wanted Hogwarts students to eat well. So I gotta think if we asked her on Twitter, she said they would eat healthy. Yeah. Um, plus, there's probably some way to magically reduce cholesterol. <laughs> Isaac on Patreon listening live says Harry's hair was always untidy, untidy, just like the top of a broccoli tree. Oh. <laughs> There you go. And Jennifer says, broccoli is like trees. Imagine a shrinking charm being placed on the Forbidden Forest, a perfect snack for a giant. You know what? I'm not sure we've played this segment since Fantastic Beasts has been a thing, but now I suppose we should be able to say, as a prompt, make the connection between Harry Potter or Fantastic Beasts and blank. Yeah, well, I think, yeah. Yeah. Or just say the Wizarding World. The Wizarding World. World and blank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that works well to like reconceptualize oh yeah by the way i was also trying to think of like a connection between broccoli and the whomping willow but yeah kind of works i mean they they both inflict pain on you and <laughs> look like trees it is it is funny where your brain goes playing this game um or yeah. what about picket Ooh. oh that's the winning one yeah he, broccoli looks like picket. Looks like picket. picket could be broccoli yeah. all right mikey don't accidentally eat picket it's not broccoli mikey you ready Yes. Okay. This comes from Adrian Castro. Make the connection between the Wizarding World and my mama's bread pudding. Well, if your mama's bread pudding is anything like Mrs. Weasley's bread pudding, then... (laughs) Pudding. Your mom makes some good bread pudding. Pudding. There's no... no Pudding. Sorry. (laughs) Pudding. (laughs) I'm sorry. I had to... um... It is. Well, I like that a lot. I think Mrs. Weasley's bread pudding would be awesome. I was going to say, like, Aunt Petunia's, because I was thinking about her being in the kitchen cooking in the movie. Yeah, she had, like, a jello mold at some point or something. Or there, well, there was the cake, yeah. cake for Mr. and Mrs. Mason. Um, right. Right. Actually, maybe it was only a cake in the films. Maybe it was, like, legit, like, bread pudding in the book. I just read that chapter. I wish I could remember. Here's one for you, Eric. This is from a yes. patron, actually. Uh, okay. So, since you don't know it. Uh, Laura says, make the connection between Harry Potter and getting trapped in a snowstorm. Getting trapped in a snowstorm. Timely, given how we started this episode. Yeah. No, absolutely. I like that a lot. Um, getting trapped in a snowstorm is like Harry Potter in the way that uh, you can turn your experience into a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, you can choose to be down about it. Uh, and you know, you're inside, you can't go outside, the snowstorm's dangerous, you don't want to die, or you can make the best of it, maybe catch up on some reading, have a wonderful time. I feel like Harry, uh, oftentimes in the books is, is a really glass half full kind of guy. And even on dreary days, he has his friends and he has his pastimes that allow him to make it through and see it through. Okay. Was that, that was works. that coherent? <laughs> that's fine. Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, a little winding. But <laughs> oh, that's okay, good. all right, cool. Uh, well, thanks, guys. That was a lot of fun. Alexis has a response to that one, actually. Ooh. Voldemort felt like he might be getting trapped in a snowstorm when those snowballs were bouncing off Quirrell's turban. <laughs> <Hey-oh>. <laughs> okay, one. that one's better. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, well, that does it for this week's episode of MuggleCast. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, it's a lot of fun, mm-hmm. as always. This is our first episode of February. We'll be back with another one later in the month. 
please visit our website, mugglecast.com. You can find all the information you need about this show, show notes, links to stuff we talk about, a link to our Patreon. It helps us grow. It does. By supporting us, you will have access to bonus content with every new episode of MuggleCast. You can listen live to us recording. You can join in on the conversation. You also get ad-free MuggleCast. That is a new benefit for 2017. I know we keep talking about this $10 level. It is coming, I promise. It's very much coming soon. Some, something's holding us up, but it is. It once that's in, we're good. Uh, you also get chapter readings, and uh, you get to influence the direction of each episode. Especially if your name is Danielle. So thank you for supporting us at patreon.com slash mugglecast. Yeah, and, and now, uh, <laughs> as a result of our Patreon as well, we are pleased to announce that we now have a new editor uh, on MuggleCast. He's yes. uh, individually producing each episode of MuggleCast that you hear, starting with the last episode uh, and this one and onward. Her name is Kara Kennedy. We want to thank Kara and just say she's done an excellent job so far. We look forward to having her on board as MuggleCast's official editor. Right. And the reason... Well, she's basically official at this point already. Yeah. But um, um, it that's one of the benefits. Was we're going to be using the money to to get get the show, you know, running as smoothly as possible. I think we said previously, I'd been, I've been editing this since the very beginning. And I like editing. It's all right. But it would be nice to take that responsibility off my back after all this time. Especially after we go so, weekly too, which is right. Exactly. Up. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So thank you to, for, to Kara for being our new editor. It's, it's great to have her on board. I know she's a long time member of the fandom. So that's it for this week's episode. Thank you again, everybody. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. And I'm Micah. Thanks everybody for listening. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.